mean, you've been putting in work for so long. Putting in a lot of work. What's going on, guys? Welcome back to Putting In Work, episode 104 of the interview podcast on the 8-Bit Collective, powered by Audio-Technica. I am your host, Johnny Peck, and this week we have the very talented Jimmy Origi, a.k.a. James Stevelak, on the podcast. He is a composer and video game developer over at the indie studio BitKid. These guys released Chasm earlier this year. He wrote all the music for this game, which you should be hearing about now. A fantastic 2D style Metroidvania. They previously worked on 48 Chambers and Take Arms, but Chasm is the big release that's been kind of a long time coming because of the Kickstarter campaign that happened way back in, I think, 2013, and the interest that that's built over the years. The game released in mid-2018, and it was a title that I was very interested in, and then it's a funny story, a listener of this podcast, one of my old friends from uni, Dylan Tickell, he's not a gamer at all, but he's found an interest in this podcast. And he told me about a brother-in-law who was a video game developer. And knowing that I have an interest in this, he thought that it'd be a great guest. And it turned out that it was Jimmy who worked at this studio. So it was pretty cool to get Jimmy on here to talk about writing the music for that game, but also his involvement with the studio and the process from development way back when it first started all the way through to now. That experience of working on something for so many years and just finding a way to make music his passion, a career, and to mix that with the video game industry that he loves so much. Before we get to the interview, if you enjoy this podcast, I really do hope that you'll leave an iTunes review or a five-star rating. It goes a really long way to help the show get the word out there spread the good news about putting in work and the 8-bit collective and all of our fantastic podcast and video content over at 8bit.net we do have a really exciting announcement in two weeks you'll be hearing that very soon but until then here is jimmy origi enjoy the show jimmy thank you for joining me it's great to have you here it's great to be here i uh hit you up a while ago to do this but it was just before pax and i didn't want to talk to too many games people all at once so i'm glad that I've, I've had a chance to play the game a bit more awesome and uh enjoy some of the lovely sounds that you've created there so let's uh maybe start off with how you got into not only music and composing but the video game industry have you always had an interest in both of those things i i have yeah I would say that electronic music in general, I kind of started pretty young, just messing around with Reason on on an old computer and like learning how to make interesting sounds. The whole video game thing, it never even, I never considered it a real like career option until, you know, I was basically doing it. Um, it mm. kind of just happened. Yeah, to go in, go in deeper about how I started in music, I kind of uh, began, you know, playing in bands and, and just making music and writing punk songs when I was in high school and that kind of stuff. And then, you know, I never, I never was one to get up on stage and like, you know, really like hold an audience. So the idea of composing really did like always appeal to me. I, I kind of wanted to be a film composer when I was younger. I'd listen to film scores, you know, Conan the Barbarian by Basil Polidaris and, and all those kind of like classic 80s film scores. Yeah, right. And yeah. So how do you go from kind of like punk rock you know, four four chord rock to uh, something where there's so many different instruments and so many different styles. Because a game like Chasm, you're drawing from all these, I guess, cinematic influences. Whether it's mm-hmm. you know military marching music or cave dwelling or like some medieval kind of finger picking guitar. Like there's so many different styles that you have to bring into it to tell the story and capture the vibe of this game. So 
yeah, was it just something where you were listening to soundtracks and trying to learn these different styles or did you sit down to do the soundtrack and create something from scratch and just kind of wing it? I guess the one word I would use would be eclectic. I've always been super eclectic Mm. and that is, that's kind of been my driving force in making music. I like, like I said, I, I played punk in high school. I listened to punk bands like Rancid, but I also listened to like Tori Amos. So I had this like really diverse style and, and how I like to, the things I like to listen to. And then when you add in the film scores to that, it kind of, I guess I just always try to create something like using what I have. Mm. That's kind of one of the lessons that I've taken from this job is that, you know, you can you can go in trying to make something and every time you'll fail. Right. <laughs> but if you like if you just try to like work with what you have, work with what first starting out with just a feeling or a tempo, like with video games, it's very tempo driven. Like finding the right rhythm for a specific area is kind of like that foundation. And then you just kind of layer stuff on and switch stuff out. And like the first run of a piano will sound horrible. And then you just keep working at it, maybe layering three or four different types of piano synth or something like that to get something that sounds more like what you like hear in your head. That's the hardest part is getting that sound out of your head and onto speakers. I can only imagine like even just picking the instruments that you need in there to create that sound must be a real kind of process of yeah just figuring it out a lot of trial and error yeah and a lot of a lot of redos yeah <laughs> you're like oh maybe electric guitar is not the right decision here yeah i i had to make that call a couple times and when you know electric guitar was the right decision you have to be able to tell the difference in those moments okay. without getting too much in your head you know about how is this going to sound whenever i'm finished it's really like just beat by beat you have to try to build sure so are you in this throughout this time learning all these different instruments or is it very much like sitting at a keyboard and playing it that way well you know guitar was my first instrument and i taught myself piano you know with the help of some other like just just practicing and but most of the chasm soundtrack was done using just vsts which are you know virtual instruments Mm. and most of those are keyboard triggered or i just program it out on a piano roll Right. Okay. And so as far as getting into this professionally, what was the point where you realized that was an option? I don't know. Um, I always had dreams of making music that I I guess I could get into the how Chasm began or who began with my my best friend, James Petruzzi. He started this idea of making a game probably back in, I guess it would be 2006, 2007. He started just working around. (laughs) And we had met in college around 2002. So we hung out and we made hip hop beats together. We would just play around on, you know, songs. I would bring my guitar over and we would record loops and do all kinds of different stuff. And so whenever he started to get this idea of working on a video game, that was always his dream was making Mm -hmm. a video game. So when that came along and he started really taking it seriously, he thought, I need music for my video game. I'm going to talk to Jimmy. So he he called me up and said, hey, I want to make a video game. You want to make music for it? And this was our first game, which was called uh, 48 Chambers. At the time, it was 36 Chambers, but we added more Chambers. Okay. So, (laughs) Um, but yeah, so I made some music for that. And it was just, you know, after class, I was still getting my bachelor's at the time. And at the after class, I would just sit and play around on music and send him 
sessions and he would say, oh, this isn't good or this is good. And I made one track that um, and he was like, this has to be in my game. I didn't even make it for the game. That's hmm. the thing. I didn't even like intend for it to be music for his game. I just sent I would send him beats that I made all the time. And he said, I want this. And I was like, well, that's really weird because I wasn't trying to make video game music. So. <laughs> So is there something about video game music that makes it video game music? Or is that kind of, um, does that kind of prove that there isn't? I, you know, that that's a question I struggled with for a long time while working on the Chasm soundtrack. Uh, I would say, like, in its purest form, video game music is is energetic or atmospheric, and it loops. It loops yeah, infinitely. that's probably the, the main those thing. Are the, <laughs> you know, those are the platonic, uh, perfect idea of video game music. But... Um, yeah, I, I think a lot of video game music I love. Like, there's there's certain ones. And then there's a lot of stuff that's just, you know, based on what they were working with. And I love old retro game music. That that also seems really weird listening to Chasm. But there's actually, I have some exciting news that I'll share with you a little later about that. But um, mm. the, uh, the Chasm soundtrack, like, one thing that I always loved was uh, Ennio Morricone. And the music of spaghetti westerns like The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly or Once Upon a Time in the West. So, yeah, I, I always loved that music. Like, whenever he came to me with the idea of Chasm, this was after the first video game, and then we made another one that was a little more atmospheric for the, for the soundtrack. No real discernible, like, rhythms or anything like that. It was just a lot of, like, ambient kind of sounds. Well, when he came to me with Chasm and he said, it's going to be in this kind of old town out in the mountains and, you know, you're going to arrive there and you're going to have to go down into the mines. And I started just instantly thinking... I could make something that's like Ennio Morricone or something that has that feel, something that feels like, you know, that Western kind of film music that I love so much. And as you can tell from listening to the Chasm soundtrack, not much of that stayed in. <laughs> that influence is there, but it's not like the predominant influence. Yeah. You know, it was never really my dream to make music for video games. It's just, you know, dreams sometimes collide with other people's dreams and you have to know when to, when to just say, okay, I can go with this. I can... I can make my dream yeah. and this dream, you know, move in the same direction for a while. Mm. And so Chasm has itself has been such a long process of development. Was there other work you had to find along the way in the world of composing or in, in music? Uh, not necessarily in the world of co composing, but I, I did have to work on other stuff while I was working on Chasm just to keep myself from going completely insane. You know, I had to make my own like music as well as the the soundtrack music because i would often encounter like i would send james a a rough take of something and he mm. would be like no that's not it and i'd work for another three days on something and i'd send it to him no that's not it and it was it, like but once i like fell into the groove i was good to go and we just started yeah. really pounding it out but as far as other work i mean i've done all kinds of other jobs while I'm working on this. I mean, even financially, I imagine you would have had to find some way to supplement the time that you spent with Chasm because there's a, with, you know, I guess with indie games, especially there's a long period where there's no money coming in. Yeah. I mean, I've done, uh, like I said, I have other jobs on the side that I did um, from, you know, helping to fix computers and working as a waiter at a banquet hall. Uh, that's, you know, just, just anything it takes to, I don't know. I didn't want to, I guess I didn't want to stray off the course too much from Chasm. Whenever I get mm. into working on a sound, it's really tough for me to, to always like go back and forth between something else. 
it must have been challenging at times to kind of have all your eggs in the chasm basket for such a long period of time, staying on that course towards getting that game out and hoping that it's a success and that it resonates with people because you've, I guess, ignored maybe other opportunities that you could have pursued during that time? Oh, yeah, I definitely. And, you know, I'm starting to think about that now, you know, other games and I'm starting to contact other people. But it's like it really was my job was working on Chasm. I didn't make, you know, fantastic money, but I made enough to survive. I, you know, I actually moved back home and uh, lived with my dad for a while while I was doing it. And it was one of those things. I made enough to pay my student loans and and put gas in my yeah. car and eat. Um, you know, I don't like to spend a ton anyway. So that's the story. Yeah, you just live lean and you do what it takes to make the dream come true. Yeah, I mean, it sounds like that's kind of the story of indie development for a lot of people is making ends meet until the game's out and then hoping it's a success enough to fund the next game. Yeah, that that's always the plan. And you know, Chasm has been pretty successful, and you know, there is a future for chasm or something else you know we're still not entirely sure about that but Mm. it's like i I was really lucky i was really lucky to to find a group of people that made something that i was interested in and i was just like even if i didn't become a millionaire i was just really lucky to to go along for the ride and get something out there into the world sure and like often i think composers are probably brought in later in the process to add music to what's been made but it sounds like you know you being there from the start you've been a very essential part of this game and i guess the the music and the feel it's such a beautiful game they're so intrinsically tied together they are there well i didn't it wasn't just music that i was working on um i did some like james found tons of stuff for me to do we worked on the story together we we shot ideas back and forth we wrote the script for the game together um, a lot of the character and NPC design and enemy designs. Sometimes I can draw slightly well. Not good enough to be <laughs> a concept artist as my full-time job, but good enough to give to our pixel artists so that they could yeah. run with that and, and make something out of it. So, you know, it was more than just the music. I mean, but the music was like my primary task as far as the game was going. Yeah, I love the pixel art in this game. Yeah. Oh, it's Dan, so is, good. Dan is amazing. Yeah. And Glauber as well. Is there a temptation with pixel art to have music that fits that as far as the chiptune kind of you know retro 8-bit style music i don't i think we purposely like from the get-go we're kind of like eh, we want to make something that's not because you know you could make that chiptune stuff but we really were setting out to do a high bit game yeah. that wasn't just like 8-bit or you know even 64-bit <laughs> yeah we were we were really setting out to make something that was like it felt authentic when you looked at it and you know that you know it was something that kicked around in our head for a while but when it came down to it we wanted to make a soundtrack like so many games now regardless of the art style you have you know more symphonic soundtracks or more like natural sounding i guess you would say mm. soundtracks um and uh, like the the idea with chasm was really to make something that didn't sound quite like it was from earth so much like it had elements of it but it was just kind of mixed up so you'd have different styles or different drums you know you'd have like tribal drums mixed with medieval uh like harpsichord or something like that you know so the real kind of combination to like give this world of uh chasm its own feel and chips you know chip music just can't really quite do that um it, it all sounds like chip music (laughs) and it can be really good chip music and it can be really bad chip music so plus i just didn't have a ton of experience at the start 
with mm-hmm. chip music. You know, um, I like making more eclectic music has always been my thing. So yeah, it seems like a really like even though it's an old style, it's a, it seems like a really uh, I guess unique way to write. Yeah, it's very technical. It's, it's, is it that thing where there's only like one sound playing at a time? Um, <laughs> well, you know, most of or the is that older? most of them had uh, four five channels or so right. they'd have a channel for each type of wave and like i've had to educate myself on this actually because over the past couple months i've been working on converting the chasm soundtrack into chip music oh just as a as a fun little kind of like not just a thank you to the people who have already bought the game because they, they'll get it in an update but it's kind of just you know putting the bow on top of chasm as like yeah we could have done chip music i didn't know enough about it at the time and i've spent the last few years educating myself on how it works mm. to kind of you know make that as well we're always about extra value to making like we just wanted to put everything into chasm so that it has options for people yeah that's cool i mean shovel knight's one of my favorite game soundtracks ever oh, yes. and like you said it's hard to do atmospheric or you know certain tones with chip music but i think that that's yeah. a game that really found a way to pull it off oh yeah that soundtrack is phenomenal yeah. and fez as well is another one of those mm. ones that really inspired me whenever i'm working on the chasm chiptune soundtrack and it's just like i said it's just something extra i've been teaching myself how to do it learning about the constraints and the things that make chip music unique and it's not just you know low bit electronic sounds you know there's there's much more to it so mm. it's it's one of those things that I never thought I would do, but here I am doing it. That's cool. <laughs> I really I look forward to hearing that. That's going to be great. And like you yeah. mentioned kind of fan service or doing it for the people who've supported the game. And because yeah. this was a kickstarted game, I'm guessing that that interaction with the community and giving back is a big focus for the developers here. Yeah. And it was vital for us as a company that didn't really have any means of promotion or like getting ourselves out there like kickstarter was one of those things where we kind of had to do it if if we could have done it without doing a kickstarter we probably would have because it created a lot of unique circumstances Mm. it's one of those things where we announced chasm before we even began production on it right like we had made a demo but you know the people have been and that's why we had people you know when's this game coming out when's it coming out for years and years and years we had to kind of do that to build up a fan base of any sort you know you can't just launch a game and expect everybody to turn and look you like you have to you have to really be able to promote it and kickstarter was one of those things at the time it was just right after the shovel knight kickstarter we had went out to gdc in san francisco and we were trying to find someone to publish the game that that was like we took our proceeds that we made from our previous game on xbox live indie arcade you know we'd made a little bit of money off of it we took all those proceeds and kind of threw it into going out to GDC to show off this demo for Chasm. Mm. And no publishers came knocking, really. But we were right there at the cusp of the indie game Kickstarter wave. We just like, by the by day three, we were just telling everybody, hey, watch out for our Kickstarter. We're going to be doing it next month. <laughs> and, you know, we came home and James just started working on getting a Kickstarter together and figuring out how much it would cost to keep us all working on the game for a couple of years. Sure. And those couple of years kind of turned into a few more than a couple of years. It must have been like difficult to 
keep like as you said you wanted to build a fan base to support it over time but also you didn't want people to lose interest as well yeah and we would do things throughout that time to try to we did an alpha about a year and a half into it okay and that alpha definitely helped solidify the fan base as they were able to get their hands on it and actually start to play the game Mm. so yeah but it changed a lot over that course and like doing it, it there in the public eye like with everybody already having these preconceived notions about what the game is going to be that is you know it's one of those things that if we could go back and do it we probably would have tried to you know fund it some other way although our kickstarter fans are just phenomenal the kickstarter backers they you know they made it happen and but it's like the rest of the world that didn't even back the game they are the ones complaining about you know it's taking too long (laughs) it's taking too long we would hear it every time you know, we uh, we went to a convention or something like that. It would be like, why are you doing this instead of working on the game? And it's like, because you have to kind of, you know, we can't pay people to go and represent us at these conventions and find more people to buy the game. It's, you know, it's part of it. It was it was a tough situation. And how many people uh, in the BitKid team? Um, There were five of us. Uh, we had two programmers and James, of course, who started the project and Tim Dodd, who was our tools programmer, and he helped to basically make all of the back end that the game you know runs on and the tools that we use to create it and then we had two artists one guy dan fessler who did all the background stuff like the huge vistas and all that 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 are so beautiful and eye-catching and then we had glabber kotaki who made the uh the sprite art and everything animated in the game basically all the little animations and the enemies and the monsters and the boss well yeah yeah i don't know enough about all the inner workings of the pixel art to really go into it in depth and i don't want to step on my own tongue somewhere along the way that's fine so it's it's a small team though and i guess like when it is a group like that you end up you know working so closely together and sharing different responsibilities was it it must have been a, a great learning experience for you not just from you know getting better at your craft of composing but also being part of a video game development team being part of the marketing the kickstarter the social media and all of that kind of thing absolutely uh you know jack of all trades Mm. that's that's my new job description (laughs) um i've learned a lot about you know just working on a video game project that i never would have really gotten and on the previous games i didn't get into the the back end of it at all i just make the music send him tracks and you know he would say all right that's good (laughs) and that would be the end of my experience But with this one, it was like really from soup to nuts. I was starting out, you know, like I said, I I drew the map for the world that we ended up. It's not it's kind of in the game in a very small pixelated form. But, you know, like like all these little details that we started out with and then putting them into a finished product, you know, everything up to the last day and then promoting it since its release. I've I've learned a million things that I never really thought I would know. Yeah. So what's it been like since release having not only those Kickstarter supporters finally get their chance to get their hands on the game, but for you to see them react to it and the wider gaming community react as well? Oh, it's, um, you know, anytime I, I see someone saying something good about Chasm, I can't help but feel like that, you know, shining pride in my heart that, you know, I helped make it a reality. Yeah. But, you know, at at the end of the day, it's it's just I think any creative person will tell you this. You are always thinking about what's next. And it's it's hard to sit and 
bask in the glory of what you've done for too long without feeling like a real jerk. Mm -hmm. So you just kind of start thinking about what you're going to do next. That's cool. So uh, what is next? <laughs> you know, I've been I've been reaching out to different uh, people looking for another game project possibly to work on. Um, I'd really like to do some scores for film eventually. But, you know, right now it's been working on this chiptune stuff. Mm -hmm. And then once the chiptune is released, I don't really, you know, I'm hoping to get another game while James starts to gear up for his next project. Like whether or not that's going to be Chasm 2 or whether or not that's going to be something completely different. I don't know. But, you know, whatever it is, I'll 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 be there to work on music. That's hopefully. cool. Sounds like a good yeah. partnership that you've had there for quite a number of years. Oh, yeah. I, I can't even pretend that he's not, like, my best friend. And he's <laughs> he pushed me along the way, too. You know, he's like, I would make hundreds of songs and I'd never release them. He's one of those people that's like, you got to get it out there in the world, you know? Hmm. He would always tell me. You got to you got to finish it and you got to put it out there. And, you know, I could make music all day long and just listen to it by myself. But <laughs> at the end of the day, that's it's not really what anyone wants to do. No, you know, it's... you want to share what you do with the world and getting paid off of it. That's just kind of like a bonus, mm. in my opinion, like just being able to do it is kind of like my real reward. Yeah, I think any kind of art, it's like step one to do it for yourself and for your own enjoyment but if no one else sees it then yeah. it's kind of not reaching its full potential as something to be appreciated and enjoyed yeah absolutely cool so what was the hardest part of putting this soundtrack together working on the game and and making it all work together well like i said before sometimes you'd have to redo things three times and every time it got better but you always felt like you know <laughs> like it never felt quite as good as that first time right. like you you'd go back in and you change something else and you refine things but it was really hard knowing when to stop right knowing when it's the the last one yeah knowing when it's the last version or when it's just not going to get any better and time constraints are really good for that like <laughs> knowing that this is going to be out you know at the end of the day a deadline is actually a very good thing mm, absolutely and what about in terms of actually the composition side of it were there parts where you weren't quite sure whether it was working or not or that it was the right feel for what you had or like even like when I've tried to pick music for a podcast or a video it's like is this the right vibe for what I'm doing you know yeah it's it's hard to it's hard to know there's a definitely a gut instinct that comes into that particular side of it you have to just go with that feeling that says this makes me feel good and hopefully it'll make other people feel good too. Yeah, <laughs> that's a, a good way to look at it. Break it down. Yeah. So what would be your advice to anyone that wants to get into game development, but also the music side of it? Because, you know, there's a lot of musicians out there, very talented people, uh, but making it work for something practical and something tangible like a game is probably the next step. Yeah, I mean, if you can work with your friends, then... You know, I, in my experience, work with your friends as long as you don't ever let it become such a serious thing that it, you know, would break up a friendship. I think that that's a great way is try to try to just meet people in the community. Um, I know there are all types of forums and things uh, where where artists and people like that connect and critique each other's work. Yeah. Um, I know that, that that's a great place to start just getting feedback because, you know, whenever like the difference in the quality 
from when I first started to where we finished at is just tremendous. Like it's, and I have to remind myself that when I, when we first started, I thought what I was doing was really good, Mm. but you know, you, you refine and you get better as you go on and just always be striving to make something better. Uh, as far as actually getting into the industry or getting your foot in the door, it's a tough world. Um, there's, there's no, there's no, uh, way around that. It's, it's one of those things where you have a lot of competition and you have to really believe in it and really want it. But putting yourself out there, you know, making a making a SoundCloud where you showcase your work. That's what I've been doing now is I like put together some demo tracks on soundtrack on SoundCloud, kind of uh, showing off the different styles of music that I can make. Okay. And just be ready at the drop of a hat to send those out to people and say, hey, listen to this. I think I can make your music. Yeah. <laughs> That's cool. And it's music's a, a great thing to kind of do that with because compared to something like video editing or writing, like yeah. you can listen to like 10 seconds of, of a song and be like, yeah, this is good. Whereas yeah. writing, it's like, that's a bit more of a commitment to be like, oh, have a, have a read through these 10 articles or something. Right. Yeah. Writing is a whole other story. <laughs> no pun intended. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> The digital, you know, information age has really created an opportunity. Like when I was younger, I couldn't have imagined being able to like look on a screen and see where people have downloaded my music and Mm. see that people have downloaded it in Sweden and in Australia. There's there's a couple, you know, um, you know, just seeing that my music has been listened to in different places all over the world. That idea, it's just it still humbles me that you know no matter how many people buy it just the fact that it's been heard by people in different countries all over this world it just it's you know that's cool the opportunity is there for people who want to to get out there and show off like Mm. it's just rising above the noise that's the hardest part and then you've got all the thousands of people who've listened to the music when they bought the game and played it all exactly. over the world. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah, that's just talking about yeah. my sales on band. Yeah, you know, yeah, just exactly. dots on a map. But when it comes to all over the world, we just uh, localize the game. And so it's going to be right now, currently on Steam, it is in, you know, Portuguese and Spanish, mm. German and Italian and French. And soon that's going to be on the consoles as well. So that's yeah. hopefully going to open up a whole new, you know, market of people to listen to my music maybe the music like maybe they played it already not in their native language and my music was their only real connection to the story you know that's that's an interesting thought as well mm. but it's you know it's kind of exciting to think that more people play it every day and that it might be somebody's first game someday you know yeah, well, their first video game might be chasm it's it's really once again it's a humbling thought it's a pretty tough game, so I might suggest yeah. they start with something else before Chasm. Oh, absolutely! <laughs> I, I think I think they should go back and play the Atari version of ET, possibly, yeah. or well, maybe not. Yeah, but yeah. <laughs> exactly. But yeah, well, that's like Chasm was definitely we we wanted to make it a difficult game because that's mm. the way those games felt, you know. The that Metroidvanias, was the, yeah, yeah, that's the way they felt when we were kids. And that was definitely part of it. Yeah, it can be punishing. I'll, I'll say that much. <laughs> Unfortunately, uh, did yeah. I I was actually the one. I'm you know I play video games and I grew up playing video games, but I was actually the one that pushed over and over again for the uh, difficulty modes. 
So right. for the, like the easy mode that's available from the menu, I was the one that pushed for that because <laughs> I, I kept dying over and over again and they had to give me a God mode code just so I could, just so I could check the music and, and yeah. go through the thing and make sure everything felt right. So yeah, I am definitely not a expert Metroidvania player, yes. but I, I appreciate them. They're, they're a very interesting style and genre of game. That's it. And it's like procedurally generated. So you can't even look up a guide or something online. And, you know, that was part of the, from the outset too, is that, yeah. you know, you, you'd know the broad strokes, like you got point A and point B, but how do you get from point A to point B? You have to mm-hmm. explore and figure that out. Like, and we caught a lot of flack for pr- the procedural generation too, because I think it's, it's a really overused in today's industry. But when we started, it really wasn't, it was just kind of like beginning. So sure, you yeah. know, it's one of those things where timing is everything <laughs> yeah and i mean you you started developing or kickstarting the game in like what 2012 when Tw- the current platform 2013 when the yeah the current platforms weren't even available no. you know like there was exactly. no switch there was no ps4 the vita was there and that's where i've been playing it but uh yeah, yeah and it's great on the vita <laughs> yeah. but yeah we started out many years ago and it's one of those things where we were really kind of innovative at the time and now it's like there are tons of other procedurally generated games but we still think chasm is something very unique like mm. when it comes down to it it's it's a linear story told in a procedural way so that in itself is kind of yeah. different than most other procedurally generated games yeah and I, I think that it has resonated because it's a game that i see pop up every now and then on social media and it's uh won some awards which you should be congratulated for and I think that people will be anticipating whatever comes next from the team because of that. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's really kind of full circle too, because the James started on IndieDB. Like that's one of the places where he posted the first demo of the game, like many, many years ago. So to get honored by IndieDB for the soundtrack was, you know, Hmm. like just, just knowing that peers and people, you know, who do this all the time, heard my music and said, yeah, this, this should be the best of 2018. That's kind of a, it's kind of a crazy thought. Yeah, it is. Especially when you probably wrote some of the music like <laughs> five years ago. Or something. Oh yeah. Well, <laughs> the oldest, you know, there are three tracks in the game that are absolutely like from 2014, um, 2013, 2014, really most of the stuff, I think the battle room, I don't know if you've been to the arena yet in the game, but that's one of the older tracks in the game. And that was probably like October of 2013. Wow. <laughs> and then, you know, here we are now and it's January of 2019. And we have, uh, it, like, it's, it's a long way away for me, like mm. to think back to what I was in the state of mind I was in when I made that particular track. That's cool with the chip tune that you're kind of remixing something from five years ago. So you're having to revisit. Absolutely. That was kind of, like I said, just a way to put a bow on it and, and call it done. But yeah, it's, it's been a real challenge to try to convert those, all those instruments and find like the right synth, the right chip to create that particular sound or something that at least emulates it. Hmm. And then with chip tunes, you really can't have like a ton going on at any particular moment. Like, you have to narrow down the composition so that each of the tracks is doing like specific things that give you the feel of the track, but you only have four tracks to do it in. And some of the tracks on Chasm are some of the songs on Chasm were like 23 different tracks (laughs) of different layers and different sounds and different drums and all kinds of stuff. So narrowing that down to four has been a real challenge, but it's definitely going to be worth it because 
it's going to be very interesting. Mm, no doubt. I could actually, yeah, I'll actually probably send you something so you can check it out. Oh, all right. Yeah. I look forward to uh, that. You, yeah. uh, so, Jimmy, last question, and then I'll let you go. If you could do anything and know that you wouldn't fail, what would you do? Mm, I could do anything and know I wouldn't fail. Any, like, dream projects? Yeah, I guess, uh, I, I I don't know. if it, I hate to say I, I never think I'll fail when I start out, but it really doesn't cross my mind. So yeah, I, I want to make a film score like that's uh, honestly, this is kind of egotistical, but I want to get the EGOT someday. I yeah. want to get the, the Emmy, the Grammy, the Oscar and the Tony. Nice. Like I would love to just, you know, and it's not even so much as being uh, somehow in a special club. It's more about just being recognized and making my mark. So I'd have to say, yeah, film score. If I if I could do a film score, I wouldn't fail for one. Like yeah. I know I, I wouldn't, but I, I don't know. I, I guess that would be it. Yeah. Is there a franchise you'd want to make music for, or would it be something original? Oh, of course. I I think something original. I'm yeah. you know, I'm not much for the uh, the rehashes of different properties or franchises. Like I don't think I don't have Blade Runner. Yeah. I I would actually <laughs> love a crack at the Blade Runner soundtrack, but mm. that is that's one of those things where. I don't know if that'll ever happen. I said that that was my last question, but now I want to ask something else. Oh, go for it. Is there a soundtrack in video games that you wish that you'd written? Like, because I, I listened to something like Red Dead Redemption 2 and the music in that game, it's so dynamic. And, it, it, you know, the way that even going back to their first Red Dead game, it would change depending on what you did as the player and, you know, whether you pull out your gun or jump on your horse, like it, it just initiates right. a sequence and it's so surreal and cinematic. Oh, it's dynamic. And I really would like to do a soundtrack like that someday too, where it's like, it's dynamically triggered by events in the game. Like, I think that's a really, really uh, interesting mm. way to present music to someone where it's kind of like you choose your own soundtrack. Yeah. And um, I guess as far as video game soundtracks that I wish I had written, one of my favorite soundtracks was uh, the Knights of the Old Republic Star Wars game on Xbox. I played the heck out of that game in college and so i would really like to do a star wars game soundtrack not a movie soundtrack (laughs) i don't want to go i don't want to get involved with making music for star wars movies but the games are kind of like off on their own you know thing and they're still kind of relatively so yeah making you know a real dynamic and interesting symphonic soundtrack for something like in space like star wars would be definitely a dream come true cool Hopefully we can get a good Star Wars game one day and you can be involved. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'd have to say I think Knights of the Old Republic is probably the last one that I played and I think it's probably one of the better ones. Yeah, yeah. no doubt. Well, thanks again. I've had a lot of indie developers on the show but never a composer that's been uh, with a studio from day one. So it's quite interesting to get that side of it and thanks for sharing your story yeah it was a lot of fun thanks for having me thank you for listening and thanks to audio technica you can catch jimmy on twitter at origi music that's o-r-i-g-i chasm is available on multiple platforms including the ps vita so go check that out hit up the bit kid game soundcloud and you can support this show as i mentioned before by leaving an itunes review Head over to 8bit.net, that's A-T-E-B-I-T, to check out the rest of the awesome podcast content from the 8-Bit Collective. All of my social medias are at Jono himself, so say hello, and until next week, keep putting in work.